Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. As Nuka Solomon says, growth is an interesting word. She's right. Depending on who's asking us, our board of directors, partners, or heck, even a podcast host, we hold that concept of growth to the light and turn it to answer with the most beautiful kaleidoscope possible. Nuka is a pro when it comes to nonprofit growth. As the CEO of Free Wheelchair Mission, she's taken the organization through the pandemic with flying colors, supporting expansion in finances, reach, and engagement. But she hasn't done it alone. Free Wheelchair Mission's team, from the board to the boots on the ground, has a stake in achieving their ever-evolving mission. Listen in as Nuka and I uncover how recent trends towards transparency, donor access and engagement, longevity of content, and deeper relationships have led to a paradigm shift in the way nonprofits define things like impact, growth, and investment. Let's dive in. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? <laughs> I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world. If you're going to be sustainable, you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story. And it snowballs like any peer-to-peer campaign. The more people that view this content, the further and further it grows. Then you're doing it wrong. Okay. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Today, I am excited to be joined by the CEO of Free Wheelchair Mission, Nuka Solomon. Nuka, how are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Before we jump too much into the questions, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Free Wheelchair Mission. Well, thanks again for having me. I've been with Free Wheelchair Mission for nearly five years. Um, I came on as an executive director and then moved into the CEO role. I was previously working in the nonprofit space, doing a lot of development, fundraising, and operations work. And I was think at the time I was looking for a challenge, but I had the fortunate opportunity to be recruited to work for Free Wheelchair Mission at the right time in my life. I'm first generation American, my family's from Haiti. So I have a tugging at my heart always for giving back to those in need. And Free Wheelchair Mission was an organization that had demonstrated to me in the recruiting process. And I think for the many years that it had been in existence that they were doing that kind of work in places um, like Haiti that were very much in need all over the globe. So it was an easy, easy, easy sell for me to work at Free Wheelchair Mission. Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. You know, I, I always like to ask our guests to, you know, what what was like the initial inspiration that got you involved in the nonprofit, you know, sector? I think, you know, when I think about it, it's I, I think it's like one of the hardest sectors to work in. You know, it's it's one of the also the most rewarding because you're you're making tremendous impact and and you're literally changing the world. But you're also doing that with oftentimes your high, your hands hand behind your back. 
And so what was what was the inspiration mm -hmm. that drove you to uh, dedicate your life to the nonprofit sector? Uh, I think I started all the way back many years ago when I was in college. I actually worked in a nonprofit that was doing, uh, it was a, it's a science museum on the border of Vermont and New Hampshire. And that's really where I cut my teeth in the nonprofit space. They were doing a lot of programming for children and families, but really what I loved was the behind the scenes team that was working really, really hard to bring programming and events and different opportunities to people locally. Um, that just that team spiritedness was something that really, you know, interested me to be a part of. And I learned a lot in terms of what it takes to wear many, many hats in this work, everything from operations to fundraising to being front facing um, with investors. And I think from there on, I always knew that I wanted to do something of that nature. It took many forms in my career, but I think that's how it all started, that kind of we could do it kind of attitude for the greater good of a mission. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, one of the things that stood out when, when you and I first spoke, I think it was a month or so ago now, uh, was just the rate at which free wheelchair mission was growing and especially, mm -hmm. you know, through a global pandemic. And so I think mm -hmm. like, you know, as we, we have a lot of listeners who are executive directors, CEOs, running nonprofits of different sizes, what has been your priority over the last couple of years? Like where have you focused your time and efforts to help steer this, the ship a free wheelchair mission uh, to, to new heights as, as you guys continue to grow? Well, as I talked to a lot of our um, partners that help to distribute our wheelchair, wheelchairs all over the world, and I'm sure a lot of other nonprofit leaders have experienced, COVID was the unknown, um, mm -hmm. as is any major crisis or the pandemic was. You, you just don't know what to expect. And so for me, it was about maintaining, first and foremost, um, an infrastructure for our team operationally, I often tell my team, you you all come first, it's not to minimize the mission and the people we serve, but if our team isn't operating and able to have everything that they need in terms of resources, we can't do the work that we do in the field. So my job was to make sure that from a budgetary standpoint, we could maintain the organization no matter what happened with COVID. Hmm. So that meant I had to make tough decisions initially in terms of budget for the sake of not knowing how the economy would hit us hard or maybe in the positive sense in a good way. So we'd made those decisions. We tightened our belts initially. You know, we didn't want to cut staff. We didn't want to reduce our infrastructure for the sake of things turning around and then not having those things in place that we had invested in. Um, and I think we made some good decisions early on that allowed for us to be able to maintain our team and also maintain our program. We did reduce the number of wheelchairs that we distributed initially just as a precaution, but we were thankfully surprised by how much our donors rallied and they continued to give to us throughout the pandemic and really yeah. increased their visibility and engagement with us as best as possible whether it be virtually or whatnot. Unfortunately, there have been some consequences as many nonprofits have experienced to the pandemic, like rising costs and supply chain issues that we have felt victim to like many others. But I think those early decisions to be cautious and wise and also to shift gears in terms of how we fundraise, how we speak to our supporters allowed for us to maintain the mission. Hmm. I love that. I mean, you know, I, I've talking to a lot of nonprofit leaders and and some of the decisions that were made early on in the pandemic were very reactionary where they ended up cutting 
you know, key positions and, and fundraisers and, and, and so forth out of fear that, you know, the economy was going to tank and people weren't going to give. But we, we, we saw quite the opposite happen, actually, in, in 2020. It was, it was a, in many ways, a record-breaking year for, for philanthropy. Uh, a lot of organizations grew, you know, through what was one of the most unknown periods in in, in their nonprofit uh, time. And so it's great to hear that, you know, your kind of approach was, was was quite different. It was, you know, if we have to scale back programs initially to ensure that the infrastructure we've built up over the past several years can remain intact because this is this will end mm-hmm. and we will come out of it hopefully stronger and do more. And so it's great to hear sort of that that approach because I think organizations who did that, who took that approach actually have survived the pandemic in, in very, with, with high growth stories. And so it's, I, it's yeah, I, I completely agree. I think in this space, you know, we try to, because we don't always have the resources to get the best advice, much as possible in a pro bono way. Um, and I think that usually starts with a good, strong board of directors. And we have that. Mm. They advised me and the team very early on in terms of those decisions. So we can't, as a staff, take full credit. I have to say that our board was really, really great about advising and being supportive of some of those decisions. Um, and it gave me the the confidence that they were behind us and also were behind some of the decisions that we made early on. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think it really helped us and we were blessed to be able to say that the virtual events we had, the different types of engagements of that nature that we had actually were surprisingly, shockingly, so much more than we could have imagined even before the pandemic in terms of expanding the number of people that were hearing about us and viewing our events and participating in our mission. Amazing. You know, I realized that we never really dug into what what does free wheelchair mission do? And and I think uh, the name suggests a lot of, of what you do. But uh, maybe take a moment here to, to share with our listeners, uh, what is the mission of free wheelchair mission and, and what you guys are up to? Just like you said, um, and I think that was, as I said, the huge selling point for me when I first learned about the organization is the, the, the name is very clearly describing the, what we do, and that is to give out wheelchairs for free. That's our job, um, and we try to do it because there are 75 million people, according to the World Health Organization, that need a wheelchair at any given time. The organization was founded by a biomedical engineer, Don Schorndorfer, who recognized a problem when he was on a trip many, many years ago where he saw a woman dragging herself along the ground, and he tried to come up with a cost-effective solution, which was the invention of a specific type of wheelchair that could be provided en masse to people in need in the developing world. And 20 years later, this is our 20th anniversary year, we have done that and we have done it for 1.3 about million people. Um, And I'm very proud to say that um, with a team of only about 30 staff or so and some independent contractors that have been very dedicated to us, we give out the most wheelchairs in any given year comparative to other nonprofit and we do that with like-minded partners in all these different countries who give out these wheelchairs that we get manufactured brand new to people in need. And then we partner with them and training them how to assemble the chairs, how to assess those that are receiving the chairs and really make sure that they're getting the chairs in a very safe, efficient way and hopefully will last a very long time. Hmm. That is a lot of impact. And you know, speaking of, of impact, you know, it's Direct correlation I've seen for, from uh, with high growing or fast growing organizations is their ability to communicate the impact or their ability to communicate the funds that they're raising, how it's actually you know uh, making a proof of of the work. 
And this is something that your your team does very well. Uh, it's it's very clearly evident just the impact that's being made and and what you guys are up to. And so was this important early on uh, for for you? Has this always been a part of the culture? How, what's what's led to the success in, in this particular area for, for you guys and your team? I think with every nonprofit, there's some secret ingredients. I think that cause you to be successful beyond the obvious thing that you need to raise funds to be able to do the mission. But I think transparency with your investors, and I call investors anybody who's giving donations or investing their time in the organization, transparency about the need and transparency of how their investment is working. People want to know about the impact, right? And there's multiple ways that you can share that. Um, one of the big things is we're very transparent about our finances. You know, we share our 990 and our finances very openly on our website and always with our supporters that if ever asked, I think people need to know where the money's going and that a, the majority of the money is going to the mission. So transparency is one secret ingredient, I think. But another one is really sharing the impact in terms of being transparent about the results in terms of mm. stories and really connecting people that are making that investment to the mission. And in our case, since we work all over the world, sometimes there could be a disconnect with the person who's volunteering their time or the person who's writing that check or donating via a website to the people that are in need. If they too have not experienced losing their mobility or don't live in a hut in a very you know, arid or a very wet region of the world, they may not really understand why it's so critical to give that thing. Um, like a wheelchair. And so sharing stories, sharing videos, sharing photography is very, very important to our mission. And I think for any nonprofit, sharing those types of imagery and re results and impact stories are what sustain the organization. Amazing. Yeah, what I think also it's closely tied to this transparency around the need and, and impact is a leader's ability, you know, to 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 really like ideate around goals and, and vision. Uh, and when we first spoke, you 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 know you shared some pretty audacious goals with me, uh, which I got excited about. I love I love big goals. I think it, they're motivating, especially when it's grounded in in like strong execution or a game plan on how we're going to achieve you know X Y and Z. Uh, and so as, as you think about creating goals and casting vision for your organization, what's the framework that you use or a process uh, to ensure that, you know, it's not just like lofty, big ideas that have no follow through, <laughs> but actually, you know, it, it's, it's actually driving the team each day to, you know, show up and give 100% of what they have that day. Anything to share around? That? Yeah, it goes back to our board. I think they help to kind of push a little bit and encourage and to drive the biggest strategies and biggest goals in terms of long-term objectives. But honestly, you know, my, um, my leaders, the directors who lead the departments or divisions of our organization or who keep me honest to realistic capacity level type goals, okay. um, the capacity of the team to execute. I really believe that when you have a team, they need to be able to feel empowered and own the goals. You can't be fully mm. top down. And they have to push back and share. Um, you have to challenge and exercise some stretch goaling as well. Mm -hmm. But in our organization, we try to be, you know, a little top down and a combination of flat <laughs> <laughs> where everybody has a, a stake. Um, and we do that by looking at our fiscal year with a specific calendar and kind of figuring out every single year when we're going to draft our strategic priorities 
for the coming year, um, not just in terms of looking at budget and thinking about the numbers, but what are the action items that we're going to take from everything from, you know, how are we going to improve our professional development for the team or improve our phone system internally to how are we going to get higher dollars at the next fundraising event or get more wheelchairs out or improve our training program. And those things are done in a very organized fashion every single year. The team knows that on a specific month, we're going to have a brainstorm session with all of the directors sitting in a room and hashing it out and thinking about what worked in the year before, what you know should be continued for the year after, what are the longer term goals. And then after we kind of do all that and we draft and think it through and you know we've gotten the sign off by our board, we then empower everyone else on, in the team to kind of author what the action items are going to be day to day to execution for that fiscal year to come. And I think that kind of a process allows everybody to have a stake in it. It doesn't mean that we have 100% success in every single thing we write out, but at least we have kind of like a something like a, a, a blueprint for how we're going to um, build on uh, things for the year or the month to come. And we do check-ins, you know, I really encourage my leaders to have one-on-one meetings with their teammates as frequently as possible. We do every other week, our team meets all together to to talk about these types of things, maybe not organization-wide in terms of every topic, but we select a, a department to focus on in terms of what their progress is or what the latest information is. And then every six months, we do a more deep dive, which we're going to do this January, on how we're doing to the goals, where we spend an entire day as an organization kind of holding ourselves accountable. And we're doing that for the people that we serve, right? And the people that have mm. invested in us. Absolutely. Yeah, getting the team involved, you know, creating that buy-in, mm-hmm. obviously, is is a very positive thing for a team to to kind of rally behind, and you know we've we've talked about sort of transparency, and we've talked about goal setting, and 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 so forth. And you know I want to come bring this back to sort of your guys's growth over the last several years. Are, are these things uh, aspects that have that have lent to that growth, or is there other another catalyst that has has helped you guys really grow over the last few years? Is there something that we haven't discussed yet that would be helpful to kind of uncover? Yeah, you know I think. Growth is an interesting word. You know, it depends on what are you talking about, right? In our world, we measure things by wheelchairs in some respects, but also like every nonprofit, it's in terms of dollars. Um, Every year we've grown in terms of dollars. How much we've grown and the percentage we've grown is never enough as far as we're concerned, right? (laughs) As I said, there are 75 million people that need a wheelchair at any given time. But sometimes that growth, when I say isn't enough, it's because it's, you know, we have to contend with the the variables that are beyond our control. And in our case mm. right now with COVID, you look at things like supply chain and inflation and other growing costs and challenges like shipping. Those are things we couldn't have pre-planned for fully. So no matter what growth you have, your bottom line, your P&L is going to be a little bit different than you anticipated. But longer term, what I look at is, what are we doing to keep the organization viable for whatever comes to pass, another pandemic or some other major disaster? Or just if it's not that, just maintaining the organization steadily with the exponential heightening. And 
Um, one of the big things is looking at the, the segments of donors that give to us, right? Making sure that we're attracting younger audience members to pay attention to free wheelchair mission is something that I'm always nagging the team about. Mm. Um, and our marketing director is really, really keen on. And that's important, right? You, you have a steady body of people that are giving to today, but you have to think about 10 years, 20 years out and mm. what happens if their giving changes, those people pass away. You have to maintain a steady pipeline of interest. Totally. And hopefully you're capturing people when they're young and they're eager and they haven't been overly solicited so that they stay with you for the long haul as they grow in terms of their profession and ability to give more philanthropically. That's just one example. Yeah. That's and that that's a good point too. You know, when when we talk about growth, there's definitely several different ways to kind of interpret that, whether it's like the top of line, bottom of line, or just looking at just direct impact, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, there there's definitely opportunities in times not during the season we're in with high inflation and, and specifically, you know, to to your point uh, with supply chain issues uh, for organizations who are reliant on that. But when you're looking at uh, the ability to provide a product or service to someone at a lower cost mm -hmm. and you can help more people, that could also be, you know, another growth lever uh, that you can look at. Like, how do we decrease the margins uh, or how do we get better margins on sort of the services and, and product that we're providing? And I'm always challenging my team to do that with us, with mm -hmm. making a product. You know, the, we look at our wheelchairs. We're always doing that even mm -hmm. when it seems like we're not. In the background, we're saying, how can we make this wheelchair more cost efficient, right? How can we, despite supply chain, irrespective of that, how can we make sure it's more durable? but more cost effective, meaning can we get cheaper raw materials, you know, but still maintain the quality? That's something that we, we have a responsibility to continue to do no matter what the economy says so yeah. that we could do more. Totally. So two more, two more questions here. The first being, so there's, there's a lot of conversation around, you know, how do you know when you've achieved your mission? Right. Mm. And there's like a, a school of people who think that eventually like you, your, your job should be to run your nonprofit out of business because you've achieved your mission. But when I think about wheelchairs and the population is not, you know, well, maybe in some places it is decreasing, but there's always people that are going to be needing wheelchairs. So how do you understand like when have we achieved our mission or is it, is it not that black and white? Is it more, much more fluid than that? How do you think about that as, as a leader at the nonprofit? It's a very, very good question, especially with the number I gave you earlier, the 75 yeah. million number and our organization haven't reached 1.3. And I said to you that we're giving out a lot or the most potentially in any given year. You know, anybody who listens to that could say, well, wow, gosh, you know, they still have a lot more to go. And for me, you know, what that looks like and what we tell people that looks like is getting to a point at any given time where a region or a country or an area can say that, okay, we're always gonna need wheelchairs because there will always be people who have accidents or potentially get an amputation or just are aging, right? That's unavoidable fully to say that no one will ever need a wheelchair. But can we get to a point where we have a steady flow of wheelchairs that are coming in that at any mm -hmm. given time, that region, that city, that rural area will always know that they can get one for that individual or for that clinic? I mean, that's possible. You know, we've seen it in certain parts of the world that we've been in, that they're getting to a better place than others. 
and it's not just due to us, it's due to others, you know, and I, I always tell my team, it's not always popular to say this with my fundraisers, but we can't be arrogant and think that we're the only ones that are necessary out there in the mission and humanitarian world. We all need each other in terms of other nonprofits working together for, to solve things. Um, so I think every nonprofit leader should take that approach um, with their supporters, that they should be thinking, okay, how can I partner with other like-minded people to solve this issue so that we all win in the end in demonstrating that the investment that's been made in us is actually working? Because I don't think that it's to what you were asking possible a lot of times to think that even as organizations as big as we may get and as financially lucrative as we may get in terms of solving solutions can do it on our own. Right. Yeah. The, the, it seems like the organizations that have strong partnership models, especially in, in countries that they're operating in, specifically with partners that are local uh, to those countries, that the impact goes much further and is more sustainable over, over time. I uh, so definitely agree with, with that mentality. The last question is, I, I can't believe 2021 is gone. Uh, <laughs> and as we, as we approach 2022, what are some of the some things that you're excited about, new, whether it's new programs or uh, new opportunities, anything that you can share around just what you're looking forward to here in 2022? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> some of them I can't say because they're kind of secret things that we're working on. But I will say we've got a few or a couple of donor engagement type of opportunities that are coming up that I think are really going to push us to the next level in terms of attracting some of those audiences that we were speaking of. And I think of donor engagement as really critical for two reasons. One, for retention and the second for growth. And you need both mm. at any given time to have a strong yeah. fundraising program. So that's one. Our manufacturing team is doing phenomenal work that I think will, we also have some projects there that they're working on over the next couple of years that will surprise and excite um, our donor base and most importantly, the people that we serve. And then the third I would say is, you know, we, with COVID, as I mentioned earlier, we really had to shift gears in terms of virtual engagement. And we had this phenomenal, for many years, face-to-face -face event that we did in July that always generated well over one point something million dollars. Uh, it was our signature event. And then we had to do it all virtually and surprised ourselves and raised over 1.5 million. And then last year, close to or you know, just shy of 1.8. And, and so I'm excited to see how now, while we're still in the pandemic, we are having more face-to-face -face engagement, right? Yeah. And so we're looking to going back to doing as large of an in-person event, but yet maintaining the virtual component as well, because that um, just this past summer, we were able to engage over 100,000 individuals just virtually alone, which was not something we could have ever imagined doing mm. with a solely in-person event. So I'm excited to see how those things converge and also just seeing our team get back out there. You know, we've been kind of in lockdown mode and not traveling as much internationally and yeah. seeing our partners as much as we could outside of a Zoom screen. Mm -hmm. So it'll be really great to see them again face to face and get those impact stories ourselves and not just be solely reliant on them being emailed or sent to us in a text message. 
Absolutely. You know, something something you touched on, I think, is is so important. I think it's one of the biggest lessons nonprofits can learn as as a result of COVID, and that's the you know this idea of of a more hybrid approach to fundraising. Mm-hmm. It's not like all or nothing, or it's not one or the other. It's just the power of of what a hybrid, you know, in in your case, an event can actually do. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, and I, I sat on a board of, of an organization called Liberty in North Korea, and we have a signature event in, in Los Angeles and New York every year. And so much time and energy goes into creating these events, like the programming, the speakers, you know, just so much thoughtfulness and, and time and resources. And they were enjoyed for about two and a half hours out of yeah. the year. Mm-hmm. And what COVID, you know, showed us was that these, these things actually could live online and we could mm-hmm. attract far more people and it, it would also serve as a great opportunity for donors, maybe who you know who who couldn't come to these to these events because of yeah. where they're at, you know, geography wise, and and but still feel the impact and and still feel very connected, you know, through the through the virtual kind of uh, uh, lens of it all. And so, love to see that that's that's where you guys are going, headed into twenty twenty two. I think that this is definitely the future for for fundraising in the nonprofit sector. It's it's more of a of a hybrid approach versus you know one off single events in, uh, moving forward. So congratulations to uh, your continued success. And Nuka, I appreciate the time uh, you you gave us here today on, on the podcast. We wish you and the team the best of luck in, in 2022. Thanks so much, Justin. Had a great time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, Find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.